0: What's good, everyone? Alex Jeteris here with another Knicks episode for the Knicks, Jets, Etc. podcast. And we had an interesting week, uh, some close losses, a really good overtime nail-biter, which we're going to get into a lot on this podcast because that has brought some glimmer of hope for this kind of season because we did defeat a really good... Well, I don't want to say really good, but a good Western Conference team, you know, that's stacked with a good good amount of young talent. So we have to get into that. We're also going to discuss RJ Barrett and his monster week, Julius Randles and his struggle. And we're going to discuss some of the upcoming games. And maybe, I know I promised last week, and we didn't really get into it about Lonzo Ball, but I think we should really discuss Lonzo Ball for this upcoming free agency, because we see it uh, for the point guard. We need a point guard. We need someone who can connect it to everybody. And, you know, the Bulls are out there as one of the other contenders for Lonzo. But we, we we should go in there and just help the people who are not 100% sold on Lonzo understand why Lonzo is a good guy to pick up. And then, John, my man, what do we got for Etcetera today?
1: Yeah, I like all that, man. And I'm, I'm even super excited for – I know we're recording before the Raptors game, and you guys already know the outcome of that game, but – the grizzlies gave us some hope and the raptors game is about to change our outcome so i'm excited to get into all that for et today we're gonna do as usual the nba on tnt schedule we got the clippers at pacers now we got the celtics at blazers i mean every eastern conference game means something to us so we'll get into all of that
0: absolutely absolutely all right ricey let's kick this thing everyone. Alex Jeteris here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, is always, my buddy, my coach, my pal, the man with the plan, John Malika. John, how are you doing today, bro? How are you feeling? I'm good, man.
1: I'm good. I had, uh, to be honest, I had a great weekend. Um, We're back to normal here almost in New York City, it feels like. Uh Went out to the city. Bars are open. Restaurants are open. Things are, things are coming back to normal. The weather is back. The Yankees are back. Jets draft coming up. The Knicks have a playoff push. There's about there's less than like around 20 games left right now, and we're in a playoff push. I really can't complain, man. Everything's everything's good. How are you, man? Yeah,
0: I'm doing well, man. It's a nice. It's a nice Sunday day. It's a little cloudy outside, but oh, it's hey, rainy here. It's terrible in New York. It's coming. It's coming this way. I know it's coming this way. It's supposed to come here later this afternoon. So whatever you guys are seeing down in New York, we usually get about a couple hours later. But John, I agree with all those sentiments. We got Yankees playing, Jets draft is coming up within a few weeks. Looking really forward to, I guess, Zach Wilson. I mean, we just had uh, Jake from uh Locked on Cougars uh this past week. So if you're a Jets fan and you haven't checked that out, please go check that out. You know, John and I, if you have if you're not even a Jets fan, John and I were hesitant. On Zach Wilson, aka The Mormon Mahomes for all you basketball aficionados. That's just the the nickname that's floating around Nick's uh Jets Twitter. So go listen to it. We're all hesitant because there's a lot of buildup to him. And Jake does a great job. Jake Hatch, to be uh to be specific, if you've if you've heard of him, does a great job in settling our nerves. So make sure to check that out. But John, you pointed out that the Knicks, man, we're in something that's really weird. We haven't experienced since 2012-2013, which is a playoff push. I guess 2013-2014, there were some instances of a playoff push because we won 30-some-odd games. So depending on which part of the season, it felt like that. But this season, after so many years of failure and just wanting them to tank and fake comebacks and not even sure why we're winning late-season games – could
1: we even, we, I, I need to stop you for a second because did you hear Windhorse this week? Talk about how. Oh,
0: yes. That was so <laughs> bad, dude. Uh, with, uh, oh my God. Cause, so, who, yeah, go ahead. cause Ma- Monica McNutt was on yes, that one. Yeah. exactly, Yeah. Yeah. With Rachel Nichols. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard that. Yeah. But go into it. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll let you talk, tell it. So he was, he
1: was, he, he kind of walked it back, right? It, it wasn't like the, the super headline where it was the Nixia tank, but he kind of. He kind of was on your sentiment a little bit, Alex, where he was like, where are the Knicks expected to be in the playoffs this year at the end, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. win one round, two rounds, like what are we talking about? And so in the long run, if you're just staring at a a stat sheet and some papers, yeah, sure, it kind of makes sense to not make the playoffs because it's either championship or, or, you know, Eastern Conference finals or bust. Mm-hmm. And you might as well get the better draft pick. Sure. I, I get it on paper, but it's such a bad take, man. Like, how can you not want everything up until now has been about culture? The Knicks are the worst organization. Knicks are, have no culture. Knicks can't do anything. Why would anyone want to come to the Knicks? They can't win ball games. And now that we're winning ball games, it's time for us to lose ball games because the, the winning games doesn't matter anymore. We need to get more rookies. P.S. Our head coach hates rookies. <laughs> we, we forcibly <laughs> is playing our rookies right now. <laughs> like I, I really don't understand the whole we should start tanking now. Why? Because we are kind of falling in the standings a little bit. Like, is, is that what's happening?
0: I guess so, John. And, you know, this was before the overtime win uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies that when Horse brought this up, and I just want to put it out there. I hate tanking. I hate uh, there's 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 ways where it makes sense, you know, but to outright tank from the start of the season, like we did when we had when we drafted Kevin Knox that year because we wanted to get Zion, you know, that we knew, and as Cantor mentioned it on Bill Simmons podcast, that he got pulled because they're trying to quote unquote develop talent, and that's just a way of saying. We're gonna run the young guys out there. We know they're not gonna win. They don't. We don't have that type of talent. So you're gonna see Emmanuel Mudiay, Trey Burke, all these dudes who are, you know, Emmanuel Mudiay is not even in the league right now. Trey Burke is on the bottom of the bench when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks. So we have guys who, you know, they're 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 on the end of the roster and not in the league anymore. So we knew what that was all about. I hate tanking from the outright. I think the best way to create a good culture is to win. And to have solid veterans, win games, get a playoff experience because once you know what it's like to have that little bit of success, if you're hungry enough, if you're a competitor, like we see from RJ Barrett and Julius Randle, you want more and you're going to come back and do the next thing to take you over that hump. It's like what we saw from the, the last dance documentary with Michael Jordan, right? He gets kicked out of the first round, but he goes back into the gym next day. To work harder to be better, so he could take down the pistons. I'm all for it. But if we want to talk about the caveat that comes with this, if we were just, you know, when we had Tim Hardaway, KP goes down, and we're we're just not going anywhere. And we're at that point where we could have a good lottery pick. For me, if we have like 20 games left and we're not going anywhere and we could just stay in the lottery. Why do we have to win those games? What is that doing? Because you're still losing at the end of the day. Might as well just play the young kids, develop the young kids, and move it forward. But in this situation, for what Wind Horse is saying, that makes absolutely no sense. You're on the brink of getting a playoff experience. You go for the playoff experience to develop a true winning culture. So when he, made, when he gave that take, I was a little taken aback just because it sounds just – like another way to mock the Knicks moving forward. Oh, they didn't do it. They don't have enough. They have to go back in the draft and do all this stuff. Yada, yada, yada. I, I, it makes no sense to me. No. What, no what were your feelings? What were your feelings?
1: I'm absolutely 100% with you. It makes no sense. I get the sentiment a little bit, a little bit, because I wish the Jets would have lost you know, a couple more games and we would have got Trevor Lawrence. But I don't want to actively have been trying to lose those games because obviously right now it doesn't matter, right? We fired the head coach. We we changed the whole regime. And so last year's games really don't matter. But that's not what's happening with the Knicks. This roster is not going to change that much next year, even if we get a superstar. It's just not. And our head coach is definitely not changing. Our front office, nobody's changing. They're all here for the long run. And you have to get experience in the playoffs in order to win in the playoffs. If we don't get experience this year, Alex, you know what's going to happen next year when we get into the playoffs and we lose in the first or second round? Oh, yeah, of course. The Knicks have no experience here. We have no idea what to do. It's just nice of them to, for them to be here. We'll get them next year. Now RJ Barrett's up for a contract. <laughs> you know, his rookie contract's up, you know, and that's the first time he made the playoffs. That, that's a trajectory. Now change it up a little bit. We make the playoffs here. We lose in the first round, but we get to learn from something. We know how a playoff game felt. We know what we're missing. Like, we're going gonna to have, the like, the rebound problems that we're having, like, the second chance opportunities and the lack of a point guard. Sometimes the inconsistent shooting, that's going to be a bright light on us. Like, it's going to be flashing on us during the playoffs. Right now, you can kind of, like, especially with the Grizzlies, you can kind of put it under the rug, especially when we win the game. You're not going to be able to do that in the playoffs, even if you win the game. And if you got outmatched on that floor, it's a big deal, and it's a big learning experience. So the rookies need to get time. The veterans need to get time. Has Randall even ever made the playoffs? No, he's never made the playoffs. (laughs) What are we talking about? (laughs) Randall needs to be in the playoffs. He needs to know what it's like. He needs to know what it's like to be double teamed. He needs to feel that pressure. He needs to feel what it's like to have a closed half-court game. He needs to feel that. And I, I want you to get into it because the refs, I mean... It's been ridiculous this year, and this is not happening in the playoffs. Nobody's calling that out-of-bounds on Alec Burks in the playoffs. It's just not happening.
0: Uh, That out-of-bounds play gets me irritated, man, because he also, I think it was either before that play or afterwards where Ja just shoved him, like just completely shoved him in that game. I was just, (laughs) That, that wasn't a foul, but then they go up. To contest a shot, and then that was a foul on jaw. I was I was so, I'm so That's annoyed, not happening.
1: Man. That's not happening in the playoffs. That's, That's not happening, happening that. in the Knicks-Grizzlies overtime game on a Friday night? No problem. That's not Insane. happening in a playoff
0: game. No, it's not. You're not getting calls like that in a playoff game. And, you know, we understand who the NBA is like trying to, to push forward and what teams they want to win. What are we gonna because get with Bob's- the eleventh
1: pick, bro? What are we gonna get with the ninth pick I, and a loss? I, I, you know, the, I, you, the ninth, you, the you. ninth spot lose the the in game because we have to win two in a row to to get in. We lose and now we have the last odds. What are we gonna do? Get the eleventh pick in the draft? Like, what, what 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 is that going to do?
0: I have no idea. And the thing is that it's like I get I get the sentiment of what Windhorse is saying. Make the play on. Plan because you still have that eligibility to get the lottery and you could end up like the Pelicans who got Zion after having you know, a better win-loss record than the Knicks, Lakers, et cetera, so forth, right? Actually, I don't know if it was better than the Lakers that season. I know LeBron was out. I can't remember. I have to take a look at that. But I get that. At the same time, we're supposedly have better guys who are good at drafting. If we have Walt Perrin, if we have guys who have a development staff, if we have, if we're trusting Johnny Bryant and Kenny Payne, guys who could develop players then why do we need to tank and get you know be like be in the top five like and we don't
1: know how we don't know how we don't know how long they're gonna stay right yeah. we, we already had Woodson gone and now we have as Jake Hatch uh, the ESPN producer and BYU guy was telling us Johnny Bryant's on the list too he, he don't be surprised well, if he's gone too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As he said, yeah. John, there were legs for that U- uh, Utah, uh, university, uh, legs for getting Johnny Bryan. Jake, we don't even know. What, these people
1: might not be here, man. These people might not be here later. We have, we don't even know what we have. You talking about next year. Yeah. Wait till next year. The tank, everything. We don't know. We don't, we don't know. We don't know who's, uh, we don't know who's going to be there. And so the other thing that he's not talking about is, and you slightly alluded to it. The Knicks had the worst record in the league when Zion Williamson came out. And how'd that work out for us?
0: Yeah, it didn't work out whatsoever.
1: We barely got the third pick. I was so nervous during that lottery. I've never been more nervous during a lottery in my whole life.
0: Yeah, it didn't work out for us, right? And the thing about, if we have these guys who can develop people, is what I'm saying, and we see other teams who didn't have to tank to get the top pick, everyone brings up, you need to be in the top five to get the best player. Yes, the best player of that draft. But how many times have we seen the Cavs get the best player? And what did they do without LeBron James? Nothing. But you have to hit on that draft pick, first of all. And not saying we are had another Anthony Bennett up in here. But you have to hit on the pick one. Number two, what teams that have won championships have gone through that route of just tanking? The Raptors didn't. The Warriors didn't. The, the Spurs, like, didn't, even though they did that one season of Tank to get Tim Duncan, right? But after that, they continuously built to get better and better and better. You know, they didn't draft Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker at the top of the draft, right? So, like, in the top five of the draft. So, Just if you're a good team... I mean, was Robinson? I mean, Robinson was... But he was there. He was injured yeah. that season. He was yeah. injured that season when they got Duncan. Yeah. So, but my point is that we don't have to be in the top 5 to develop talent to be a good team. And this is where I'm just anti-tanking because it's not a, it's not it hasn't been proven to be successful what the 76ers did it. They got Joel Embiid, they have uh, Ben Simmons, they also had Joel Okafor. They actually they also had Nerlens Noel. How many guys did they draft in the first in the top 5? They had Markel Fultz. What happened? All these guys Don't necessarily turn out. So why have to be in the top five to get one of these? Do I want Jalen Suggs? Absolutely. Would I want a BJ Boston? Sure. Absolutely. Would I want want Cade Cunningham? No doubt. But you also need just that one guy to be a successful winning team. And those guys are going to be on rookie contracts. And as we've seen, guys leave. So if they want to start there for four years and then come to us, that could also work too. It's it's not like, oh, we didn't draft this guy, so it's all over. We can't get them. We could potentially get them later as at another date in time when they become restricted free agents, unrestricted free agents, and you just keep adding that way. I know it's better to have them on the books. You could also make trades for them if you have the assets. but. Well, oh, we found Emmanuel quickly in the twenty-fifth pick, so I, I, I that that take was just so wild to me. That was so, such a wild take. I, I I didn't get that one.
1: Yeah, it makes no sense. We can move on. i it just dumb, and I don't want I don't want that sentiment to kind of overtake the fan base. Once if we lose a couple games, I I don't want that to be the sentiment. Oh, thank God we're losing anyway. It's better to get the draft pick because. We're probably not going to make it out of the first round. Who cares? Let's lose in the first round. Let's lose 4-1 in the first round. That would be great. I would way rather lose 4-1 in the first round and put the confetti with the one win. (laughs) You know, Give me the Miami (laughs) Heat. I don't care. And as long as we don't punch a fire extinguisher, I'm okay with all that.
0: Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. But I agree. Let's move on from this topic. I know people are... Tank train, heavy central. I've never seen that. I have yet to see that work. So don't want to even get into it. I don't want to even, I don't even want to get into that because another team that has a lot of good talent that's still not playing well, we could talk about the Sacramento Kings. Where have they been? And the Pelicans. And the Pelicans. And the Pelicans. Pelicans are not even in the playoffs right now. It ended today. So
1: And it was so funny because I remember very distinctively last year around this time when we were talking about. The NBA just ended, right? Due to the COVID, and we were talking about, you know, trying to get the NBA back. And we were talking about all the different scenarios, and every single scenario hindered around how the NBA and all of us wanted to see New Orleans and Zion Williamson in the playoffs. And they had that easy schedule. And everyone's like, oh, it's so rigged. It's so rigged. He didn't make the playoffs. And <laughs> now this year, they're not going to make the playoffs, maybe. And Lonzo Ball's going to be gone, their draft pick. You know, who, I mean, who, you know, they traded for, uh, they traded for, of course, but that's basically their draft pick
0: yeah essentially and we can get into that right now because i think we need to discuss lonzo because i know there is a fan base out there that's kind of torn on part of the Knicks fan base that's torn on if we should pay him how much we should pay him is he another missing is he a missing piece to this team i would say yes you know lonzo ball adds a lot to this team that we don't have right now especially from the point guard position I know there's talks about Emmanuel quickly being the point guard of the future. He can be, you know, he could, he could have that potential. We don't see it yet, but that's, that will take time for him to get there. Usually point guards in the NBA take about three to five years to develop, to be something sustainable. So there's time for quickly to, de- I should say there's time to evaluate quickly and to see if he is, but what Lonzo brings, what we need right now, especially in the first unit, you know, We need someone who can shoot, and we need someone who can continue to pass the ball, someone who can swing. And Juarez just that man. The dude is just phenomenal. He's stepped up his game this season where I just don't know how you wouldn't want him on your team. I know some concerns are, oh, he only attacks five times to the basket. And that's understandable considering that Tibbs wants somebody who does attack the basket. Right. We have Derek Rose, Alfred Payton, who average over 10 drives per game towards the basket. And that's what you want to see. Well, prior to Lonzo, you know, being down in New Orleans, he was averaging seven attempts. I think part of the reason we don't see Lonzo drive in New Orleans. And I just want to start here first with the drives, because I know it's the biggest one. I think one of the reasons we don't see Lonzo drive as much is because who has the ball right now is Brandon Ingram and mostly Zion Williamson. So why would he even need to drive? And I don't know what Stan Van Gundy's system is, but if you have mostly Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson doing the work, why does why does Wanzo need to attack the paint as well? I think there's spot situations where you do want him to go drive, but he's not so bad to the extent where he couldn't drive to the lane. I know he doesn't average that many free throw attempts and tries to absorb contact. But even still, I think he adds something that this team needs, which is just passing and so forth. And I, th- I think if he even did come here, he would still drive, you know. And before I let you go, let me get your thoughts on Juanzo. On, on the things that we've seen this season, you know, just field goal percentage is up to 42, 42%, right? His three-point shooting right now is at 38% on <laughs> eight attempts per game. That's real. That is real. Eight attempts per game. He was shooting thirty-eight percent from three. So I like it. He's also a good. He's a good passer, averaging close to six assists. It's five point seven to be exact. For all you true nerds out there who want the exact number, and he, he's a good rebounding guard. He's big. He's six six. He's got a long wingspan. Get bring that guy here. We need that. I would take was fourteen points that he averages.
1: How hilarious is it, Alex, that it went from Lonzo Ball is not going to be able to play in the NBA because of. The, the hitch in his elbow and then it became wow he can maybe shoot the mid-range but there's no way he's ever going to shoot the three and then it became now that he doesn't drive enough to the basket like <laughs> that's that's why he's never going to make it it's just, the nitpickiness is unbelievable we are the worst paced team in the nba he is a fast-paced point guard but bingo, like, bing, 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 like, like, how does that not ring a big bell in your head? Like, it just drives me nuts that we're so ready to say, oh, he stinks because he's not, you know, Luka Doncic. He's not Chris Paul. Yes, he's not those guys, but we can't use those guys on this team. Honestly, they just wouldn't fit what we're trying to do because we have Emmanuel Quickly who needs the ball in his hand. As you mentioned on New Orleans and as... You know, we've talked about before, the best player on every team now in the modern NBA takes the ball up. It's no longer B.J. Armstrong bringing up the ball for Michael Jordan. It just we just that doesn't happen anymore. LeBron James is the point guard. Kevin Durant is the point guard. Zion Williamson is the point guard. Whoever is the best player on the team takes the ball up. Jokic, everybody. And so the fact that Lonzo Ball is able to facilitate, run the pace, picked up his field goal percentage, like you mentioned, picked up his three-point percentage, we know that he can get rebounds. And we know that he's an absolute monster facilitating the ball. I mean, imagine... Alice, close your eyes. Close your eyes and imagine we had a point (laughs) guard who who, who was literally looking to pass the ball and not because that's all he can do. You know, it's not like... He's he's bringing up the ball and he's waiting to pass. I'm I'm a big Frank fan, but that's what Frank does. Frank dr- literally is dribbles up the court, looking for that first pass to the side, and then he gets to swing back, passes it back. He's just ready. To, he just he's ready to he's ready to pass it away. It's, it's it's not like Kyrie Irving when he gets the ball, he's ready to see what the defense is bringing. He's ready, you know, to see. How they're going to react to this crossover how they're going to react to that screen over there and so he can react off that And that's why i love lonzo ball lonzo ball reacts off of the other team's defense if the other team is going to let him shoot he'll pop it like you said eight attempts that's nothing to joke around about eight attempts a game that's a lot of attempts if they're if the middle is clogged by virtue of the other team or because of his team which is most likely the issue here. Why is New Orleans trying to trade Lonzo Ball? Because he doesn't fit on their team. Because he can't drive in. Because it's clogged. Because they have other guys who are trying to run the ball. And so we don't have those guys. The Knicks don't have people who are, who could run the ball. That's why we're dying for Emmanuel quickly off the bench. That's why we, 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 John, me, I didn't want Randall to be point guard Randall, but he impressed the hell out of me this year. And he really picked it up, but it would be really nice if we didn't have to rely on Alec Burks because he could have those phenomenal games, but then he could also have the games like he played
0: this week. And yeah. that's what you get. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, like, yes, the transition point, And Lonzo's defense is also no slouch either. I like the way he plays, man. He's long, so he can guard three different positions because he's 6'6 six, six with a good wingspan. You know, And this is not... When we bring up Frank, like Frank could, you know, Frank... Could if you want to get to that? Well, but Frank is just wired differently than Lonzo. Lonzo is wired to attack. Frank is more of the European point guard, bringing up, swinging the ball. But in 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 the NBA, he's a better off as a wing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's his position. You know, something like what uh, Tyrese Halliburton does, just mostly off ball. But when he get when he gets his chance, that's his time to shine. Frank just needs to uh, needs to utilize those chances to just shoot. Well, Lonzo, man. Once he gets to once he gets the ball, he's he's his head's up, looking down court. He's very, He's he's looking for the outlet passes. He's looking to get these guys just in the whole situation. I know he's not necessarily the best half court passer right now, but he's only twenty three years old. It's just so interesting, and I don't think everyone thinks he sucks. I think we're just picking at a part of his game that we have to really understand. Can he improve? He's twenty three, and my argument is. If we were picking on Julius Randle's game, like we can look at the shot chart from Julius Randle from when he entered the league where he was only shooting in the paint. And now he can attack at all three phases, not necessarily the most fluent at all three phases. Right. But he can shoot the three very well. He's shooting that he's shooting 38 percent. We you see that he gets to hit the mid range jumper. You see that he doesn't have to always be in the paint anymore. You see that he's a great facilitator right now, averaging five assists if he can develop and he's 26 why can't lonzo i just want to know that and he's shown it he's shown it he's shown it every single year that he can improve the shooting we question free throw percentage still needs to get better and it has gotten better i, I take like i thought he wasn't shooting that well for free throw he's shooting 79% right now and that's honest yes i know it's like on one it's like he's averaging 1.3 attempts per game i get that so he doesn't get enough contact fine but my question to you is, like, do we need him to? Do, do, do we need someone who needs to hunt to get to the foul line that much? We, you know, we look for these perfect players, and not everyone's going to be perfect. And I just want to know why, we, why we're why we hesitant on saying, hey, uh, Lonzo Ball is a really good fit because we're missing a guard that can push. We're missing another ball handler, like just another ball handler who's more fluent in bringing up the rock. Our best point guard right now is Derek Rose, but he's capped at 25 max, 27 minutes. We can't have that. So why not get somebody who's more fluent? And by the way, to to knock on, like everyone loves D Rose right now, right? Everyone loves D Rose. You know how many times D Rose gets to the line? He averages about 2.1 attempts. So it's not even that much. It's not even a dramatic difference from what we get from Wanzo ball, what we would get from Wanzo ball. Right? So, we like Derrick Rose. We know he's playing at a different at a, at a different rate because it's not MVP Derrick Rose. And even during MVP Derrick Rose, he was still getting to the line. What? He was averaging, well, he was averaging, he was averaging a lot more. I won't take that. Away. He was averaging like 7 of the per game, but they, that, because he was aggressive. But we don't need him to be that necessarily that aggressive. We're successful with Derrick Rose right now. We're successful with what he what he brings to the table. I think that's fine. Not everyone's going to be this foul hunting machine. It's not, but you get it to the guys who get to the foul line. And you know who can help do that? Lonzo Ball. If he can pass to Julius Randle in transition and it leads to Julius Randle getting fouled, you're giving it to a guy who's good at the line to get fouled. I like Lonzo Ball, man. I just, I hate the hesitancy. And I think everyone thinks he's going to get a max contract. I don't think he's going to get a max contract.
1: That's the question. I like th- you said, like you said, you say, Alex, every time I ask you about any player in any league, how much is the contract?
0: Yeah, and I think it's going to be somewhere around eighty. And honestly, I think eighty is fine for For a young guard for four years. I gladly give him. And part of me, I understand. I don't know what the I don't know what the asking price for Alonzo Ball was. I was kind of on the side that we should have traded for him just to get him in house, get get his rights, you know, have him on our books. Also, to see how he fits with the team moving forward, rather than just bargaining for somebody and thinking that they may fit because, you know, we sometimes have these thoughts that someone could fit and they don't actually fit like what we did with, and I wouldn't say Andrea Bargnani, but, or it's even like Amari Stoudemire. I know all totally different s- situations. Um, not Nothing like Lonzo Ball, nothing where he's a restricted free agent that we're trading for, but sometimes you bring somebody in and they just don't fit, even though you thought they would fit. So, and I think Andrea Bargnani is like the prime example of someone that we traded for. With that concept of okay, we'll add a big who can shoot, who could stretch the floor, and help mellow out so that way we have a clearer pain for Mello to attack. And it just didn't help. So for Lonzo, I wish we did. It's not I'm not hell bent on it that we should have. I would like to. If the asking price was too high, then so be it. Not no need to give up so many assets to bring him in here. But if you're telling me it could have cost first and a second like a dallas 2023 which we don't even know if it's going to vest because we don't know how where dallas is going to land in those in those years right they could potentially not even make the playoffs this year and this pick could even be better than we thought and then down the road they could be better and then that pick or they could still be bad that pick is top 10 protected and it never lands for us right and it could be so i would be fine with i would have been fine training that one first rounder get him in house know that you have the capability of just paying him and not letting him hit that restricted free agency mark but we're not going to cry over spilt milk. I think he's going to cost four years, 80 million. And I don't know what other team is going to compete. I know well, we have the
1: Pelicans will have a chance to match it. They're not going to match.
0: I don't think they're going to match unless they can move Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. And I don't know who's going to take on that contract.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a little, that's a little e- much easier said than done.
0: Yeah. I think there's, I I think if they wanted him, they could have extended him. If anything, they would probably do a sign and trade. Cause I think they also understand their cap. Situations kind of in hell with Bledsoe and Steven Adams. But then there's the Chicago Bulls who also want him. And I don't think Chicago is going to have the opportunity to match. Man, he would match. be so good on Chicago. He would. And he yeah. really would. He really would. <laughs> yeah. he really would. <laughs> I would but not my- like that.
1: It would be- him, Levine, and Vooch is nice. Forget Thad Young. Forget all that.
0: Yeah. And having Kobe White just spot up and you're just getting it to him. Kobe White has gone.
1: <laughs> Kobe White would just go home. It would just be sent yeah. somewhere else. Honestly,
0: <laughs> not for sure. But even with the Bulls, who is probably the top competitor for Alonzo Ball, I did the calculation. I think it's somewhere between 20, uh, twenty. I'm sorry, twenty-eight to thirty-two million in cap space that they could get if they, because I know Thad Young and Thomas Sadoransky have partially guaranteed contracts, so they could. Release them; they would still owe the money, obviously, because it's partially guaranteed. But even with the partially guaranteed, it's somewhere around thirty-two. I don't even know what the cap uh, will be for next year; that still hasn't been determined. But I'm assuming it'll be 112. So even with like 32 million for 112, we could you easily. going to get an
1: extension too, while we're just we're, while we're on the topic. Because if you give Lonzo that contract, are you also going to re up Randall? Since we're on the Knicks finances right now
0: yeah for him his his contract would even be that impactful because the NBA is a soft cap not a hard cap like the Mm -hmm. NFL Mm -hmm. the whole point is to retain guys that you have so Randall since he's our player his wouldn't be his contract wouldn't be as detrimental to the Knicks cap I'd have I'm not good with the numbers maybe we can get Jeremy Cohen back back on here and to really help us out but his contract wouldn't be as hurtful as signing someone in the free agency. Um, But I even, so even if the bulls had max 32, you're telling me they're going to put up for the, for that seat for next season. If they have 32, are you telling me that the Knicks said, fuck it, we're going to do 20 million for Alonzo ball. You're going to tell me, and this is keep in mind, the bulls will have 32 max 32, somewhere around there in cap space. The amount of players that they have on the team, if they get to 32, if they cut, uh, Thomas Adaranski and Thad Young. So they'll have seven players on the team with 32 million. You're going to tell me you're going to put up 20 million just to get one player, and then have uh, 12 million left over potentially just to, to get somebody somewhere between eight to 12 million. That doesn't make sense financially. You can't. You can't even get anybody for. You can't even fill out a roster like that. What are you doing over I here? Have,
1: I think they might have a mid level. Uh, in that scenario, does that mean marketing has gone too? In your in your Bulls cap, do you think marketing has gone regardless of Bulls? Yeah,
0: that's without that's without marketing too. That's without even like paying paying marketing. And I, I I don't see you know Bulls fans have been from what I've seen are confused on how marketing could fit with Vooch. So it seems like he may be gone. Bulls didn't have the chance. Bulls didn't re up him at the beginning of the season. They didn't trade him either. I don't know what they're thinking about they should have traded him if they weren't planning on resigning him i think they're trying to see what the market will be for him and then try to execute a sign and trade but i think the pelicans are also going to want to sign and trade and marketing going to the pelicans with adam zion and brandon ingram doesn't make a lot of sense to me <laughs> so i don't see how that could work either um that's why I'm pretty confident in the Knicks. Obviously, I could be wrong. I have been wrong in the past, but I think the Knicks have a pretty clear shot if they want to throw him $20 million a year, which I think they should because even if he didn't work out for them, he's still young enough and he's still talented enough that another team would trade for that contract. That's just my thought on, on, on Lonzo Ball, though. I, I would hope the Knicks get him. I know that Begley has reported that the Knicks are still interested, especially coming up to this offseason, but we'll see. We'll see i i just i just find it comical and i don't think people are saying that he sucks i'm just I'm, i just find it comical that we're uh nitpicking every single thing that lonzo does i get i get that we have to about i get the whole evaluation standpoint but i think if you look at something that this team is missing which you pointed out is transition why would you want someone who can push the pace we're we're the slowest paced team i think we're second to last Last time I checked, last season we had we weren't even a percentile because we didn't have enough uh, enough transition points to even be accounted for. I think we're second second to to last or third to last at this point. So we're not the best in transition, but we need someone also who can help push and look for look for people as well. And can you imagine Lonzo on the court with Obi Toppin? Oh my God! If you talk about that's needing a point guard, that's what
1: it is. That's what it is. He's Amari Stademeyer and he needs a Steve Nash. I know Lonzo Ball is not Steve Nash. Nobody freak out right now. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trigger you, but Lonzo Ball is a point guard and people like Obi Toppin who don't have an offensive game off the dribble, they can't create for themselves. They need someone to create. That's why Emmanuel quickly is so good because he gets so much attention that he's able to open players, but the problem with quickly is he, he doesn't physically open the door for other opportunities. You know what I mean? The only time... He's getting the ball to somebody else is when the defense. What's the word I'm looking for? When the defense decides now that they're going to focus on him. So we, you know, as you mentioned uh, off camera to me, when we're always talking, watching the games, the double teams, the double teams are so prevalent and you see him on Randall, you see him on RJ and you see him on quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like quickly, quickly has done an okay job at executing getting out of double teams. It's not crisp all the time. He's not picture perfect. He does a pretty decent job. I'm not going to say he's terrible, but that's your shooter. You want your shooter to be open, right? The thing that he offers right now is shooting and using that floater and drawing fouls. So if you want him open, and I, unless he makes a major jump next season, which, could. He could have an RJ Barrett, who we will discuss today because RJ definitely needs some talking about. But unless you see Quickly just getting the next level, I haven't seen a, a like, I've seen very few and far between mid range jumpers from Quickly. And, you know, that's why people are ready to double team him because they know he wants to shoot the three or attack, go for the floater. It's kind of, it's so hard to just do those two things and not have an expansive game. So it's kind of why he's had hit a rookie wall. And, why I would presume why Tibbs hasn't played him as much because in situations they're hunting for him and they're no, they know what he wants to do. It's like when we saw RJ only do threes and drive to the lane, when you become so predictable, it's tough. So I don't know. I just, I I, I just, I, we need Wazo ball here, man. I don't think, I don't see why I get the, I get the critique. I get the evaluation, but I think we harp on things that we don't see what a player can improve on. We're just focusing on the now. And the whole point of player evaluation is to see, okay, this is what he's doing now is baseline, what we're going to get. What are we going to get more from him moving forward? Because as a player, he is going to develop.
1: And it changes. As a player, you get the DNA of the new team. That's all the culture. It's all together. The culture in New Orleans, the rumor is he hates it there. That's what his dad keeps saying.
0: Yeah. So that's the other thing. That's the other thing I'm like, not, I. I I think that will. I think his father's. His father wanted uh, Lamelo to play in New York, you know, and places that he mentioned. By the way, places that he mentioned for Lamelo to play was New York and Detroit, not Chicago. That one was so weird. Not even Chicago, and Chicago was in the top five. But he said Detroit. "Detroit," He said Detroit and New York, which is so interesting. I'd even. I did not see Detroit being a name, so I think. Yeah, for Motor city. Motor
1: city. I don't
0: get it. Well, Jeremy Grant, the athletic did a great piece on how he wanted to go play for a historically black city, but I don't understand as a rookie. It may have been the same thing for Lamello, but I, I just find that interesting. That as pop said, New York and Detroit. So I would expect Lonzo. You know, I think, I think New York has a serious play. That's all I'm saying.
1: This is the first time a ball is a free agent. So it's going to be fun.
0: Well, I had <laughs> out jealous, uh, jealous in the corner, looking at you like,
1: He's not a free agent. Is he a free agent? <laughs> if you don't make it a the G League, you're not a free agent, bro. Okay, I'm a free agent too. I'm not on a team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like when people were saying in uh, on Nick's Twitter during the, the deadline, the, the Knicks are keeping tabs on, and then they would just name any player, like Bradley Beal. Like, yeah, I'm keeping tabs on Jennifer Lawrence. Like, <laughs> I'm also an undrafted free agent for the <laughs> Knicks. I'm also an undrafted <laughs> NFL
0: player. <laughs> I'm all of those. Sure, Jennifer Warren's is like, what's John Malika doing right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, if we're, if she, I'm keeping tabs on her, obviously she's keeping tabs on me. If that's how this all works, right? If that's how <laughs> interest works.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. That's just
1: freaking hilarious. Oh man. But, but dude, last since the last time since the last time we spoke, we had that emergency pod. It was right after the 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 Knicks Nets loss, right? The loss for the Knicks that day, and I was on your case, man. I was on your case because the Knicks were visiting your hometown Celtics.
0: All right, <laughs> you get out of here with that nonsense.
1: <laughs> but I told you that I would hold you accountable if we lost, and not only, not only did I I couldn't do that because of the way it went down at the end, and because I know your fiance Dominique was low key rooting for the Celtics right next to you, so I couldn't I couldn't double down on you there. So. Tell us tell, tell us how the how the Boston T D Garden experience was with COVID. And uh tell us how uh, your experiences was that you know, just what you saw on the bench and things that we kind of didn't
0: see on TV. Oh, okay, sure. Um so yeah, no, it was fun. First of all, it's so it's actually very convenient for me to get to uh to T D Garden because we live off of the orange line, so it's a legit a twenty minute subway ride to get to uh to TD Garden. And we're you're right in the building. So we go literally walk down the street, takes a 10-minute walk to get to the T, which is their subway system up here. If you're not familiar with Boston, it's legit, you can't miss it. The signs are massive T's. Um and you just hopped on the orange line, got to TD Garden. It was good, man. It was a great experience. Uh if you if anyone who's never been, it's you know, it's known for the parquet floor. The atmosphere is good. The Boston fans are rowdy totally different vibe of, uh, of the garden, obviously, but they're just as hell bent on their team as we are hell bent on uh, our team. But we were sitting in like the lodge area, got a good view, post some pictures. I'll post some pictures on it so, uh, people can see, but it was a lot of fun, man. They offered their MSG is doing 10% TD is doing 12%. So it's the same, about the same amount of people very spread apart for the most part. There's a good amount of Knicks fans that showed up. Knicks, tra- Knicks fans travel well. There is a good amount of orange and blue in the stands cheering for the team. And you could hear it even when you hear, uh, you know, for RJ finishing, you hear cheers and so forth. It's because there's Knicks fans out here too. I was actually sitting, down, sitting next to a Knicks fan and, the first thing he says to me is that, "Yo, man, I do not like Alfred Payton," I, which I just found comical. I feel like that's every Knicks fan this season. <laughs> they just have to tell. Hilarious, t- yo!
1: Know, Alex it, was messaging me. He's like, "Yo, John, I'm at the Celtics game. There's some Knicks fans next to me, and guess what? They hate Alfred Payton." <laughs> I was
0: dying. It's like the first thing I and you just see. First of all, this is where I really feel bad for the dude. He looks defeated on the court, man. I've no ne- and that was a particularly bad game as we all know for Alfred Payton. I feel it was so bad because. He looks completely defeated, and I I don't know if it's because he's reading the stuff on Twitter, but that man looks defeated. Uh, so I I just feel really bad for him.
1: I mean, dude, um, if, if people, I mean, you play for the fans in the NBA. When you're in the NBA, at, you know, where they're at the top echelon, you're playing for the fans, man. It, it, it's fun, right? You want you're having fun on the court. You're getting your millions of dollars. That's that's already done. You know, th- that's already taken care of. But you want to have fun. You want people to like you. You don't want to deal with all that nonsense in the postgame conference. And then it bleeds into the locker room. You don't think that he's getting jabs from his teammates here and there or they're kind of giving him that those vibes?
0: You yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Every, yeah, absolutely. You see that he goes back to his own. Like he sits in the back, man, when it comes to the bench. So I can only imagine what he's feeling, but you're totally right. But I will say this just to move on. So I don't want to harp on on that uh on alfred payton but what i did notice not until after i left the game when i went when i, when I first started the game because i was having my beer getting into the game just watching the, trying to focus on the game it wasn't until someone tweeted it later that night or the day after where you see and i noticed it but i didn't it didn't click to me so and i can't i don't remember the person's name who tweeted the photos but I, it was noticeable when you watched the Knicks bench, everyone was up, like h- hunched over like the podium, watching the team play. Like no one was sitting down. I no love No one that was picture. sitting down. And then the, picture no. of the Celtics
1: bench. And then the, you see the, the Celtics, everyone's like that.
0: sitting down and just not really engaged in the game. You see Quickly, Knox, Frank, all these dudes, Theo Pinson, who's not, they don't get any play. They rarely get any playing time, right? Even Obi Toppin. You see that they're just hype for their team, rooting for their team, standing up on the edge on pins and needles, dude. Pins and needles. Just watching this team, rooting for guy rooting for their team to play hard. You can just see the cultures just change, man. Culture is just totally different around this team. The fact that everyone's up rooting for each other. Last season Kevin Knox was had a depressed face, probably think about Fortnite. Joking. You know. What what, what what did to samara do? Uh, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. allegedly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, the, it, you see, you saw it. I noticed that vibe was great. I know it was a tough loss. It was really, it's really easy to get into it. And the good thing is, there's a good amount. Of, I'll say this: the the overall experience of TD Garden. There's enough Knicks fans out here that you don't have to worry. Obviously, it's going to be more green and white than orange and blue, but I would say for that game, I'd say somewhere between twenty-five to thirty-three percent. You had you had Knicks fans there, and it was easy to spot. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, to be I had to be honest with you, when I was living in uh, Massachusetts, out in good old Framingham, for a couple of years as an immigration attorney, I was I went to uh, two Knicks Celtics games, and I could re- I could relate i also went to see Cavs celtics uh playoff game that was fun too and you, t- you could tell the difference between the when the regular season knicks game how many knicks fans there were and the complete animosity there was when lebron was in town in the playoff game it was crazy like it was nuts you know what i mean
0: dude what was that was that when tatum was like a rookie that season yeah 20, so 2017
1: yeah 2018 Bro. 2017 right yeah, 2017.
0: Yeah. yeah, 2017. I think it was 2017. I almost, I was, I got invited to go to that game. Shout out to Caroline who who invited me to go to the game to watch that playoff series. Unfortunately, I was graduating that day from law school, so I couldn't go. It was, on, it was
1: priorities, Alex. What's more important? I know. the Celtics game or your silly little graduation to from me. Law yeah, no. <laughs> to me,
0: to me, it would have been the game. But you know, family was in town. But we did see Amon Shumpert on the street. My oh, sister was screaming out at Mon Shupper. She was like, "Yo, I'm on!" And he was just like, threw his hand a, up in the air.
1: It's such a small town, you know. Because during the Cavs series, I saw Damian Jones literally. The he was a former player, but he was an assistant coach at the time. Just sitting on a bench on the phone, like in the middle of Boston. I was like, "Are you Damian Jones?" Like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Like that was like that was the whole conversation. I was like, I was no, I didn't say to him. I was like, this is weird, man. You're not supposed to like just be out here with like normal people.
0: So, so the thing is that. So the law school I attended it's downtown in the financial district, right? Right by the, uh, the Wang theater, right in the whole theater district too. the hotel that all NBA teams stay at is t- like a block down around the corner. So I got to see Steph Curry, like walking on the street too. So you get to see all these guys up and down for t- when they're in town. It's, it's a hot spot, man. And so and you said it, it's a small city. I mean, it, it, you can walk everywhere in the city. It's, it's not as huge as like New York city. It's, it's a, it's a walkable city, but awesome. Obviously, it wasn't like the best because of the outcome. I was so annoyed, man. So annoyed. And But to see RJ play so well, let's talk about it now.
1: Yeah. To see yeah, RJ play that well. It was a, game, it was a great well. game, dude. It was a great game, and it, it, was, a, it was just a hard loss because I I really liked the way
0: we played. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And so let's talk about – let's get into this week. Let's talk about RJ because RJ has really stepped up another level. And how he's been playing this season, man. He's just been on a tear. Absolute tear. He's really has transformed into the Robin to Julius Randle's Batman this season. And he just took it up another level. That game, he went 6-for-6 six six from three. 10-for-14 from the field. Outstanding performance. Outstanding performance. Like, R.J. so
1: back. R.J. so – RJ is here to stay. He really is – it's ridiculous because – I feel like we're saying something that's so obvious, and it's like, of course they, of course RJ good. Just shut up. We, why are you? Why do you keep talking about this?
0: Yeah, but, it's, it's but every so time weird. there's an award or anytime there's any sort of accolades, he's completely left off. So let's talk about that because this past week we had the top the top twenty five under twenty five, and he was shockingly being sarcastic over here, not on the list because. ESPN just likes to generate content that can just stir a fan base. And they did stir a fan base, our fan base. On top of that, ESPN own heads like Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins were just like tearing the list that their own company made. It is quite a level where you could have someone within your company create content and another person in your company gets paid to then trash that content. That is that is like playing 4D chess. I don't know how, <laughs> what you could say about that. Anyway,
1: that's fair. That's fair. Just on just a note on that, I was listening to a podcast with Bobby Marks came on and he was explaining, especially the RJ thing. Like, specifically, he was asked about RJ Barrett and it wasn't a Knicks podcast, it was a national broadcast. And the way he went about it was I'm not playing PR for ESPN, but the way they went about it was that they had a couple writers make their own list. And Bobby Marks was saying that he had RJ Barrett on his list. And so they kind of just did like an aggregate. And so the the way it, like, fell down, whoever – it's like somebody didn't have RJ on the list, so he was, like, officially kicked off because of the way the numbers worked. So it's more of an – it's less of – in my opinion, it's less of a generate content type deal and more of a nerd way to go about basketball. You know what I mean? Like – Oh, like too much on the analytical stats? Yeah. At some point, we have to watch the screen. You know At some point, we have to watch the basketball play because, uh, sure, RJ's numbers weren't up to par with this guy. Or they wanted to say that it was about the future potential. That was what the list was for. It wasn't. Te- but but that ruins the whole argument then because RJ Barrett—he's twenty years old. How could he so, be more promising than that?
0: Plays the is, most minutes. Uh, it was like top five minutes in the league. Yeah, he's twenty years old. Like, <laughs> what else do you want? Because if you go to like clean in the glass, right. And you look at stuff like synergy and all that type of stuff. If you look at, for example, let's go to clean in the glass. If you look at all of him, he's not the only thing that he's above uh, the median, right. Is his three point shooting. He's, he's in the middle for corner threes and non corner threes at 50 in the 50th percentile. He's in the 65th percentile. And this is all by position. So for wings he's in the 50th and 51st percentile when it comes to corner 3 and non 3 in that order. All threes he's in the 65th percentile. Everything else he's below. He's in if we're talking about just mid range, he's in the 45th percentile. If you're talking about finishing at the rim, he's in the 28th percentile. Effective field goal percentage, the total aggregate of all of this without free throw shooting, 32nd percentile. So they're looking at these type of things and they're like You know, he doesn't seem to be really efficient. And then when you watch the game and you see how he plays and you see the construction of this team and what he's actually doing and the impact that he makes, because I can go by these numbers all day long and and say, Hey, he's not making an impact, but how are the Knicks winning games? Because it can't all just be one person. Julius Randle's not dropping a hundred points. So where else is it coming from? If you watch those games, you see RJ for a 20 year old has, and if you were watching the previous season has just taken it to another level.
1: DeRozan with the Hezzy, man. He's, D- he's DeRozan with the Hezzy that plays defense. He's better than Jimmy Butler. He, he's not better than him now. He's going to be better than Jimmy Butler.
0: And Ooh, I, like the, I, like, I like that bold prediction.
1: He's better than him on offense. He's not the defender he is, but he's better. Right now. I mean, three-point shooting. Three-point shooting. Absolutely. If you had to get two points... Sure, you might say I'll take Jimmy Butler because he's older and a veteran. But how about a twenty-year-old Jimmy Butler, or how about a Jimmy Butler on his third year in the league? You know, to and be Jimmy fair, I, I'm taking RJ. I'm a third year, third year Jimmy Butler on offense. I'm t- I'm taking RJ Barrett, and all that stuff about how Anthony Edwards from the Timberwolves was saying that they wanted RJ to get the shot. There was a lot of disrespect and shade that everyone kept saying is being thrown towards RJ. If you watch that Celtics game closely, Tibbs did the same exact thing but with Marcus Smart. They let Marcus Smart shoot. And they it was so clear by watching that basketball game that their game plan was if we're going to lose by Marcus Smart hitting threes, then we're going to lose by Marcus Smart hitting threes.
0: Yeah. And I don't think Not that's disrespectful. Sure. I, think that's no, I think that's a good strategy. Hey, RJ, and look, R.J., especially in that Celtics game, he knocked down that three to to help tie it, man. And then we just let Marcus Smart open to, look. I think RJ that's part of the meeting. game plan. He was, he was open all game. Yeah. Well, he was knocking them all down. Mid-range jumper, he had that clutch mid-range jumper to get even closer. He was RJ's, probably
1: like, he has to miss. He has to regress. He has to regress back to the normal. He has to miss one.
0: But, but here's the thing, right? You talk about Jimmy Butler, and some may say, hey, you know, maybe you're going all over the line with that comparison. Well, here's Jimmy Butler, you know, first season. He didn't get – he didn't start any games. He only was averaging eight and a half minutes per game, averaging two points. Second sophomore season, 26 minutes per game, 8.6 points. Third season, 67 games he started, 38 minutes per game, 13.1 points. Yes, I know the construction of the team was different. But it wasn't until his fourth season that he became – Jimmy started to become Jimmy Butler. And then that fifth season – actually, no, hold on. No, it was the fourth season. Sorry. It was the fourth season season when uh, he got on the mat. Yeah. Fourth season when he got on the mat. He's
1: 31. He's 31. He's 31 now? Yes. So that means in his fourth year?
0: He was 25.
1: And if you see a 25-year-old and a 20-year-old on the street, the, the difference between those bodies, those humans, is insane. And, and, and that's what's so crazy to me is when nobody takes into account that the kid is 20, we treat him like Lebron, like we treat him the same way we treat Lebron. Like if Lebron misses seven shots in the game, they're going to say the same thing they do about him and RJ Barrett. You know,
0: it's it's crazy. (laughs) Dude. And that's what makes it insane. You're telling me under 25 years old, this kid can't even make the list. I I just think people don't watch enough Knicks games. But he's been, he's been great this week, man. He's been great this week. He's been holding it down, especially that OT against Memphis. My God. talk about Him and Julius played clutch basketball in the fourth quarter, but RJ, my God. We always Dude, do I close with so Memphis, huh? What's the second yeah, OT game did. with them? Yeah, and it's always close games with them. But it was nice to Do you think see... they play like us? I don't know. I don't know why that is. I think we just kind of match up very well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we play the same. Cause we don't have anyone that can play Job. like Josh. Josh, is, yeah, Josh, yeah. No, yeah, Josh throws everything off. But the guards are like the guards, Dylan Brooks. Well, Dylan Brooks is like he's okay, man. He's a, like he's a, he's a gritty player. He's if he was on the Knicks. The we would treat that shooting. guy like a god. Yeah, because he plays defense. He's ready to <laughs> yeah. damage anybody. Get into an argument. That's that's Dylan Brooks, man. Um, it, it was a good matchup, man. Like we saw, I was so hyped that game. I was out of my seat clapping. Dominic's like, yo, you gotta calm down. Just like. No. For
1: the what for the Grizzlies boys? game, yeah, I was screaming. well because we were desperate, dude. We came off the hard Nets loss and this and the Celtics loss, but the Celtics lost the second chance points, man. They just it was crushing. It was such a crushing loss. It wasn't like we got outplayed on the basketball court.
0: No, the Nets, the Nets loss The Nets loss was infuriating because we had it. You know, had, yeah, that that too. But I'm saying the
1: Celtics won too. We like we weren't outplayed in these. Oh games. my god. No, you know, we The, were the not second out. chance opportunities were crazy, dude. And I know I was texting you on the side.
0: I don't disagree Backup that. Back up centers. That,
1: it was insane. I don't
0: I don't disagree with that. Like I don't like now. We had the disagreement because Mitch was going to come back. We did not predict Mitch was going to break his foot. Absolutely. Now, we're, but, now but, we need a center. And <laughs> now it
1: becomes as Mitch. Injury-prone, that that becomes a real question now. It has to be. I know I, I said it before, and I'm upset. I know, and you're still holding that, you know, your camp, but it's a concern. I'm not saying it's an issue. It's a concern.
0: Sure. If you're concerned that he can frequently get injured down the road, understand that. I think putting the injury-prone label on him right now when he's played over 80% of the games is a little premature, but I can get the concern moving forward if he is that some guys just that happens, you know. Mitch is a young guy too. He's he's still growing and trying to fill out into his body. Injuries happen to people growing up. Um not it's concerning. I wouldn't say I would be I'd be crazy to say it's not concerning. Let's we'll see what happens next season, and then we can get the full picture on Mitch because for the most part, last season he was available. Most of the first his rookie season he was available. This season is just an anomaly. Some seasons you have those anomalies where you get injured numerous times and you can't stay on the court. It, it happens. That's the that's kind of the beauty and the ugly part of sports because when you lose somebody, you know it's like the Warriors when they went to the finals playing the Raptors. Injuries were just galore on that team, right? Then the finals you have Kevin Durant go down, Clay Thompson goes down, Draymond is playing like a shell, like pretty much a shell of himself from what he has been. And then Steph's doing it all by himself. And you're like, what just happened to the, co-? it was a collapse, an absolute collapse. So it happens. Um, but when it happens to your team, it hurts. I don't know, man. All, all I can say off this week is that RJ's has just been phenomenal. I love the way he's coming along. I can't wait to see what he's going to look like next season because this week he's just been holding it down. Even when you, he was out of it during Memphis. He turned it on. Looked at Ja. Looked those chops. He's like, "Oh, I'm take. Ja's guarding me I, I, on this drive. I'm going straight to the rack. This is not. This is not. No question whatsoever. Let's call it a day. Pack it up. Leave him alone. We're we're doing it. But yeah. but, but the one thing I want to do is also talk about Randall, who's been struggling recently. Mm-hmm. Randall has not been shooting the three ball well. It looks like it's from that thigh contusion. He's been out of it.
1: Yeah, he's so been he, he's been definitely. it's a that's a good pinpoint. That's a because good marker. Ever since he had that thigh stuff going on, I, in my head it was more fatigue. But actually, now that you say that, it has really that really
0: is a good pinpoint marker. So here's the thing, right? Let's look at the stats for this. Julius Randle prior to that thigh contusion. So that's after the all-star break, obviously. This is before the Bucks where he missed that game. This is what these are his uh these were his numbers. Julius Randle, averaging thirty seven minutes a game. Was averaging 23 points on 17 attempts, shooting 47% from the field, 42% from three, getting you shooting around 79% from free throw off of five it's about six attempts per game, getting you ten, re- getting you close to 11 rebounds and six assists, right? Six assists off with three turnovers per game. After that, by the way, I'm rounding. It, I'm not going by the decimal for this. Just so out there. Now, averaging 36 minutes per game. So it's down down to bit because he had to miss a messy game. And was trying to rest 22 points a game off of 19 attempts. So that's interesting to note, right? 22 points off of 19 attempts when he was averaging uh 23 points The efficiency, off was,
1: the efficiency was crazy. And we were winning. That's yeah. why we were winning, we were winning all those games.
0: Yeah. And here's the, the one was- that... Re- and here's the thing, because he went from four, he went his three-point shooting is what really has taken the hit. It's at 32.5% from 42. I think that's really the thing. He's not shooting the three-ball uh as hot as he was. Because he was on fire during the Wizards, right? He's still rebounding, still getting you the assists like he can. His free throw is still good, but I think it's really the fact that his game. We see his shooting has changed a little bit. We see that he's not as comfortable as he was. I think he's trying to force things. I think teams are getting accustomed to how to guard him. But at the same time, I think still think he's playing on – I think fatigue is part of it. I think it's injury and fatigue because he's averaging so many minutes. He's in the top five with RJ. And I think – The second when, him
1: and RJ have a real injury, we are going to flip on
0: Tibbs so bad. And that's going to be the sad thing because it's not even something necessary Tibbs because they're not practicing as much as Randall's pointed out. It's a condensed season. Things happen, but this is really where my gripe with Tibbs is. We're not staggering it enough where we're getting Randall, RJ, and Quickly or, or, or enough of Randall, RJ, and, and Rose on the court together where it can make it easier for those guys to play, right? because we saw it. We see the difference when they're on the court together, just a shooting. I know people are saying, well, you want Rose to start. We have L for Yeah, we're not, I'm not going down that road, but we've seen it. It's, it's not, it's not, we, we see how efficient they can be to lighten the load. Because if you're just working with a crowded paint, we, we know that it's difficult. Get that. But this is where I want them to stagger. This is why we're on quickly to get most of the minutes, because I think it can help, but we also need help from our other guys too. Like, Obi Toppin, who has struggled for most of it and seems to be showing some sort of life. We need to get the second unit more run, too. And I think Tibbs needs to stop with these hockey rotations where you start to see Randall and crew. Yeah, it's like third quarter, we know who's coming out. And then for seven, eight minutes, they're like, okay, can we just rotate? They're not having it. They're tired. They're exhausted. They need rest, too. So that's my gripe.
1: I agree with you. I I love Tibbs as much as anything, and I'm not going to hate on his propensity to overplay players because that's just the kind of guy he is, and you kind of just know what it is, and it shows up in the defensive stats. If Tibbs is all about this defense and that's all about that life, this is what it comes with. You have to play all day, and those gritty minutes, I mean, there has to be some correlation there. And I really agree with you with the rotation stuff. So I'm gonna ask you, what did you think this week about our X Factor players? Alec Burke and Reggie Bullock.
0: Hey, Reggie's been playing good. He didn't he hasn't necessarily played well against uh he didn't play well against the Celtics per se, but Bullock, I'll start off with Bullock because I know I was on his case earlier in the season and it looks like he just needed to get in rhythm. Um And now he's gotten in rhythm. He's been playing well. You know, over the last ten games, he's shooting. uh, He's averaging about twenty-seven minutes. He's averaging forty-eight percent from the field, forty-three percent from three. He's doing a good job, man. You know, as a three-and-D guy, he plays really good defense. He's on it. I I would not be surprised if he's brought back next season because Tibbs likes him so much, and he's been really good playing three-and-D as a three-and-D player. But the last couple of games, man, excluding Memphis, you know, Memphis he he got back on track. But he shot poorly against Boston. He shot only 25% from the field, and percent 28% from three. And then Brooklyn, you know, he had a good start, but the finish is always like it's always the ha- second half of Bullock. Yeah. But he's been do- he's been fine. I have nothing against him. Burks, on the other hand, he's my so goodness gracious.
1: He's so honorable. It off. is.
0: It is like, it is like a weatherman that's giving you a poor prediction every day. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> you, never, it's true. you don't know if it's going to rain or sunny. <laughs> you're
1: right. And I think, I think the Knicks have lost about eight or nine close games this year. And I feel like all of those games, Burks played bad, but the close games that the Knicks did win, which I think is about four or five. Mm-hmm. Those came with Burks playing well. Yeah. And so you kind of have to just take the good with the The good with the bad. And you just have to hope that there's more good than bad. I just don't think that's the case.
0: Yeah. And this is kind of, like I know I tweeted, let's bring Burks back and I'd be happy to bring Burks back. I think we can, I think we should, because he has been good and he has those key moments. The thing is that we have him as our three a B C because it's so weird. It's cat. It's Julius Randle's are one, RJ Barrett's are two, right? I think that's that's easy. When he gets to the third guy who helps, it's like a rotation of people. It's either Burks, D Rose, or Quickly, and that's why I go three A, B, and C. And you don't know which one is. I don't know who to categorize as which. Maybe Quickly three A because Quickly has shown he's been here longer throughout the entire season. Has brought that shooting. Burks has been injured, so I'll probably put him down somewhere between B and C. But the same thing could go for Derek Rose because he's been sick and out too. So that's a rotating. You need one of those those three guys to help you win on a nightly basis. And and either one of them shows up or none of them show up. And that's where we're really in trouble. But for Burks, the thing with him, man, it's really the turnovers. When he plays point guard, I have nothing with him playing point guard. He just does a lot sometimes where he just needs to do very little. For example, when it comes to playing Boston, those two possessions in the fourth quarter, man, they killed me. That step back three, I know he's done that before, but at the the top, like dead on, why, man? We had enough time. Get it to RJ who was shooting well. Make that yeah. extra pass, yeah. or when he, or then when he brings up the ball and he just puts up a whack—I don't even know what to call it—floater, mid-range jumper. Yeah. I had no idea that that was so confusing. Uh, it's just a disappointment. Yeah. He does those things, and we saw like even two weeks ago when we played Minnesota, he turnover after turnover, like the the hook, like to the to the wing, and
1: yeah, that was
0: Anthony Edwards is like, oh, for me, yeah, <laughs> thank that you. Tough.
1: That was tough, and I think that's not. On Tibbs, I think that's a, that's a, a, those are player goofs on the court. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's not really what's being taught. What is being taught and we will give Tibbs some credit, I would say is plays like the end of the first half where Julius Randle gets the ball and automatically he's thinking two for one. And so he, you know, he got the ball, came up, pulled that three and then put, then they, then they played solid defense and got the ball back for the two for one. Like that is a, like, If I could draw it up, that's what I feel like. That play would be is like on Tibbs's wall somewhere. That blueprint, (laughs) like drawn up, like second chance point, play defense and then come back and I'll call timeout. We'll set a play like that. I feel like that's literally like his his golden ticket right there. And so I I I know it's something minor, but those are the types of plays that that get you that get you far in this league, man. They get you far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look. Burks is just – this is why he's kind of been a journeyman because he has good shooting. His playmaking is can be there, but it can also not be there. It's the same thing with the shooting. He's just on and off, which is why it's hard to give guys like this long-term deals. But I think the Knicks should look into doing like a two plus one, maybe a team option or maybe three years for him. I'd like that. I'd be happy with that because I do see the value that he brings. It's just wildly inconsistent, man. It's either really good or it's really bad. You know, my dad would always talk about uh, Phil Jackson that way when my dad watched uh, him play when they won in the the 70s. He's like, Phil Jackson could have a great night, play great defense, he can get you some buckets. Or Phil Jackson could just foul out and just be the most inconsistent player you've ever seen in your life. And I kind of feel like that with Burks. Not that he'd foul out, but the the shooting and the playmaking is just so mind-boggling that you're ready to just tear your TV off (laughs) the freaking entertainment system and just throw it across the – the room because we have no idea what he's doing, but I think that covers it up for what we saw this past week. Let's end this next section with uh, the upcoming games that we have for this week. So this upcoming week, we got Knicks versus Lakers on Monday. We got the Knicks at Pelicans on Wednesday. We got the Knicks at the Mavs on Friday, and then we have Knicks versus Pelicans on Sunday. So John, Start off with you. What do you think is happening this week? I know we discussed Lakers last week, but the nothing is material has changed. Anthony Davis and LeBron James still seem to be out. What do you got? Uh let's start let's start there and then we can move for the rest. So I think that the what happens
1: in for us tonight's Raptors game, for you listening. Last week, last Sunday's Raptors game is going to make a difference in the mentality this week. I think it's interesting that the Lakers have been here since the Brooklyn game. Mm-hmm. I don't think that bodes very well for us. However, things are starting to open here, so who knows? But I, I don't think that bodes too well, especially because the Lakers look so bad. However, we got Julius Randle. All right. I'm 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 going to go 2 and 2. Give me I just I just have so many friends in LA. I I I just need this game. So just I I just give me the win versus the Lakers. <laughs> and a split in the a split in the Pelicans and a loss to the Mavs, unfortunately on Friday.
0: Okay. I could see that. I could see actually I could see as I don't you see us me going the... to
1: New Orleans and winning a game. That seems ridiculous to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and a short—it's just short turnaround time
1: too. The problem is the Pelicans have such a crazy week. So they're playing; they're at Cleveland on Sunday, and then on Monday the Kings are in town, and then on Wednesday the Knicks are in town. So they have a—they're not great teams, but it's a lot of basketball for them, for sure. Three games in four
0: days give me the next give me the next win against the pelicans on sunday the last game yeah give me give me the next win against the Mavs on friday
1: okay i like that I, I i was leaning towards that but i just want the lakers win more and i can't go 3-1 i would like to go 3-1 because we lost to the Mavs last time and i feel like we could pick it up and actually take this one and
0: not get swept by the Mavs. so I agree with and you. Me, I like it. I would, yeah. Give me the Pelicans' loss in New Orleans on Wednesday. Yeah. Knicks versus Lakers. So this is tricky. That's the tough because, step. and the tricky thing about this is because they don't have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Well, I know we just saw the Lakers just take out the Nets. I don't know if that's really the indication of a really good team not saying the Lakers aren't because they are a good team and they're even better, obviously, with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But I don't know if it was just them stepping up for the challenge of saying, hey, we're going against Kevin Durant tonight. Let's make a statement. And you got Andre Drummond who who played really well that game. Also, the Nets have poor defense. so And we're a better defensive team. So that's where this one's very confusing. I can see it being close. I'm going to take that L, though. I think we're taking the L. Unfortunately, I'm going to amend,
1: though. I'm going to amend. I'm going to go 3-1. You're
0: going to go 3-1?
1: I'm going to go win versus the Lakers, loss at Pelicans, win versus the the Mavs on Friday, and win on Sunday versus versus the Pelicans. I
0: I hope we beat the Lakers. It's just a weird, weird game to gauge. Because if they want to show up, if that team decides to show up, because we're not the most talented team, you know, and they're not the most talented team right now, but I think we're on that same plane where it would be a good game. I just don't, I, I, I don't know. I I really, that, that one's so tough to gauge, but I feel like the Lakers have something. I think they're, I think they just want to make a statement. And I think LeBron just being part of that team, being a good leader can kind of get them riled up even from the bench. So that's, that's just my indication. We'll see though. We'll see what happens. But John, that covers it for the next portion of this pod. So let's take a quick break, come back and wrap it up with the et cetera portion. All right, everyone. And we're back from the break. John, what do we got for etcetera today?
1: For etcetera, Alex, we got some breaking news right now. We have James Wiseman out for the year with a torn right meniscus oh, in the shit. right knee. And we have some we have some live reaction from Alex. What do we
0: got? I did. Oh shit, that's that's terrible. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh,
0: uh, oh shit. Uh, Warriors are not going to the playoffs then.
1: Oh, did, you think, were gonna go- did you think they were going to the playoffs anyway?
0: I did. I think at the beginning of the season I had I like, at the beginning of the season, I thought they could make it like like in the bottom seating, you know? Just Steph Draymond. I would I do like Wiseman as a as a prospect. I think he's gonna be good. Me too. But I man, think he's very
1: underrated somehow. Somehow a top pick is underrated, but then we also have RJ in
0: the same position, so I guess yeah, I'm not yeah, that surprised. Yeah, it's not surprising. Uh but they need a center. I mean, you have uh what's his name? Uh Jesus, I'm go I was about to name the old one. Uh, oh, Kevon Looney. Yeah, they have Kevon Looney, so he could. He's he's fine, but man, that's gonna be rough, man. Yeah,
1: that's it's, be a rough tough, for, it's a tough. It's, it's a tough. It's a tough loss for the Warriors. So that was just some breaking news. But sticking with the West Coast, kind of the Clippers, who have been have been pretty okay. And speaking of injuries, Pat Beverly's out too. He just got yep. hurt. So yeah. they they're, they're gathering some injuries too. But your boy Pandemic P has turned back into playoff P, he's getting ready. And the Clippers are at the Pacers and we know that the Pacers are legit team. To be honest with you, this is a perfect matchup. I love the Clippers Pacers matchup. To me, they're very 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 similar teams. What do you what do you what do you like in this game? How do you, how, what do you think about these two teams? And what do you think is going to happen uh, tonight, Tuesday night, TNT?
0: Give me the Clippers all day, man. I think the Clippers are going to go in there and smoke them. I think – Paul George back home in Indy? Revenge game for Paul George. Paul George has just been on a tear recently, man. He's been playing really well. Averaging twenty-two point, every averaging close to 23 points per game, five, uh, five, about five assists per game, 44% from three, 47% field goal percent – well, close to 48% field goal percentage. Dude has been absolutely monster the last 10 games, man. Monster. Like that's what he's averaging the season. But the last 10 games, he's on another level, man. Last 10 games, 46% field goal, 44 percent from three, 90% free throw percentage, getting you seven, getting you close to eight rebounds, getting you close to five assists, averaging 24, about 24 points per game. Dude has been like fire. Just absolutely fire. He's been unstoppable on the defensive side. He's just been locked down. I, I like this game. I don't see how the Pacers have anyone to even go against him. Him and Kawhi. I, I know Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly wasn't doing much, honestly. They got Rondo. Rondo's going to do Rondo things. But, man, I, if I'm the Pacers, I do not want to see this team right now because the Clippers are – they got the firepower, man. They got the firepower on Paul George. What could have yeah.
1: been. And, and the Clippers are 15-10 and 10 on the road this season. So, they they you know, they travel fine.
0: Yeah, they're they're I'm a good, good team. Good. I, yeah. I I like the Clippers. I like the Clippers. It's just hard because Indiana, they're they're getting Demontis Sabonis back. Um, the, the whole team is just well, Miles Turner Sabonis. I don't know, man. That's just not that's not mm-hmm. enough for me to say. Yeah, they could take down two guys and pull George and Kawhi Leonard. That's tough, man. That's a tough yeah. matchup.
1: That's yeah. And on the other side the Pacers are 9-15 at home.
0: So I I agree with you. I'll take the
1: Clippers. In this game and for you guys listening, if you haven't been paying attention to Alex's betting pieces, he's been pretty on point this year. What's the website? Tallysite?
0: Tallysite.com.
1: Tallysite.com. Yep. Yep. So, you yeah, go ahead.
0: No, if you want to it's um it's not it's not free to to see. So if you want to follow my betting I've uh, been over fifty percent in who I've been choosing. This is awesome. I'm covering the Knicks for them too. So, getting the spreads right, yeah, fifty percent is huge. Fifty percent for you. For people who aren't familiar
1: uh, with sports betting, if you're if you're a fifty five percent sports better, you are actually a professional. That's just the case. Uh, but of course, the vo- Alex's volume isn't you know is not that high yet? But Alex, what's your record right now?
0: Total overall record for sports betting. Give me a second. Let me pull it up
1: that's fine while you're pulling that up our second game of the of the double the tnt primetime double header is the celtics versus the blazers another great matchup i love the blazers so much they're one of those teams that really they're they're the quintessential nba 2k team to me like if i'm putting on 2k which i haven't in a long time i haven't bought the uh, last couple of years, even though I used to buy every single NBA Live since 95, since my Sega Genesis, the Blazers are the team I would pick in NBA, meaning they're the most fun team to watch and the most fun. They have the most talented players when you go from Lillard to CJ to Mello to all their shooters. And then even Ennis Cannon breaking the Blazers rebound record with 30 the other day, 30, 30, That's insane that's insane. What, what do you like in this game?
0: Uh, give me the Blazers. Celtics just there. I, I know they beat us. That team does not look like the team of old. I think there, there's clearly something there. Um, there's something there with the Celtics. That's just lacking. I don't know if it's team camaraderie. It just they don't have that vibe that that makes you seem. Oh yeah. We're ready to fight and go to battle every single day and try to go far in the playoffs. They kind of, I think this season's just been weird for them, and I think you're going to see that continue that continuation of just uneven, uneven gameplay. Blazers are trying to fight for something, man. The Lakers are down right now, so they're trying to get uh, high up into the standings if they can.
1: I love a fighting Blazers team. I love so, this. I love Damian Lillard with the back against the wall. I love
0: Melo with his back against the wall. Yeah, and CJ McCollum too, man. Those are the guys that I like. So I'm going to go with the Trail Blazers for this one. I think they just got the firepower to go against uh, Boston. Boston's just kind of if the threes are hitting. I don't know the threes aren't always hitting for Boston. And they, from what I saw when I was there against the Knicks game, the ball movement was not crisp at all. I know Kemba didn't play, but even still, I would go with uh, the Blazers in this one. And to answer your question, John, earlier, what's my record? Uh, I'm 152 to 136, so I'm 53 percent when it comes to to betting.
1: I mean, that's, that, that's volume. I mean, it's not years, but that 53%, I'm like, anybody that knows anything about sports betting knows that's very impressive. And it's all on paper. And so I would encourage you guys to check out Alex's pieces on TallySite, but also, you know, to take take our predictions pretty seriously because we know what we're talking about.
0: Uh, Yeah. Though that that's including overs, unders, and uh, and game wins. I'm more I'm better with uh wins and over and and point spreads is where where I'm at. I can kind of gauge that over unders are kind of they're so oh, freaking impre- they're impre- they're impre- they're so unpredictable.
1: I feel like that goes more towards the analytic stats and the more advanced stats when we're talking about shooters and pace. It's, honestly pace is huge when it comes to over unders. So I would encourage you to uh, maybe focus on that more. But okay. I like the Clippers. I like the Blazers at home. Clippers on the road, Blazers at home. Daniel Lillard from half court.
0: Let's go. Oh my God. Half court shot. That'd be great. I would love to see that. But that, that about wraps it up for this, uh, for this podcast. It's been a good one, John. Blazers 16 and
1: 10, Blazers 16 and 10 at home.
0: I like that. I like that. I like that. Definitely go with the Blazers. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for another Nick's episode of the Nick's Jets, etc. podcast. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Please make sure to give us a five-star review and leave us a comment. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we're available on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Amazon, Alexa, Google Play. You name it, we are there. Also, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us. Just look for Nicks, Jets, etc. We'll be there. We'll interact with you. All right, everyone. Have a good week.
1: Yeah, for sure. And let us us know how we can improve what you like what you didn't like what you want to see if you have suggestions for topics that we don't hit on and you want to throw that out there please let us know
0: absolutely we're all we're here we're here for the criticism constructive criticism not just some any stupid slander any
1: criticism we 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 definitely take a lot of stupid
0: criticism we'll take that too just join us. <laughs> throw it in the bucket all right everyone, we'll catch you later this week for another jets episode we out let's go nicks